Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Inside the Huddle uh, with your co-host Sammy Jacobs and TJ Inman. We are live from Indianapolis today, uh, talking about IU football. Uh, some big unexpected news uh, coming out with Jordan Fuchs joining the basketball team. He'll still play football. Um, we're going to talk about where the IU program should stand at the Big Ten in the next four or five years and with expectations. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, an Illinois-Northwestern uh, rivalry, which has moved. Uh, Illinois has moved their home games to Soldier Field for the next three years. So I believe it's 2015, 17, and 19, uh, how that's going to affect IU and the Purdue rivalry. Uh, TJ, uh, how are you today? I'm doing great, Sammy. How are you? I'm good. Good, yeah. I'm uh, looking forward to uh, to what should be a fun show today. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, Jordan Fuchs uh, joining the basketball team for the remainder of this season. Uh, it's interesting, I think, as it relates to the football program, that shows you what kind of uh, athleticism that guy has. You know, he's 6'6", 230, um, and he has played basketball for a lot longer than he played football had some scholarship offers to Florida and Iowa State, um, evidently thought that his future was brighter in football and chose to play for the Hoosiers, and I think that we both like his potential as a tight end. It uh be interesting to see how uh, how he can help by use interior defense, which, um, well, it's not good. Um, not good. I don't want to talk about it anymore because it makes me angry, so we shall move on to football topics. Um, and I think you wanted to start with the, the Illinois Northwestern news. Uh, it's interesting. I, what do you think about it as a, a strategy for Illinois to uh, – the main thing they've talked about is adding it uh, – or adding a game in the Chicago area. Uh, so they'll be in Chicago every year because they'll be at Northwestern in the odd years or in the even years and at uh, Soldier Field in the uh, odd years. So what do you think about that as a, a strategy for a rivalry game that um, I guess has been lacking interest? Uh, I, I don't know really how much it's going to add nationally, but I think regionally it does add a little bit of intrigue to that game. Uh, well, first, let's start. The issue uh, starts way before that. Um, Illinois announced yesterday that they wanted to move the game or have moved the game to Chicago. Uh, they cited several reasons. Um, they played at Soldier Field uh, in 2013 against Washington. Apparently, they brought mm-hmm. in close to $2 million uh, in revenue for that Um this year, uh, they made close to a billion, just under a million dollars, nine hundred forty-six thousand uh, dollars per home game. You know, to me, it's a financial thing. Uh, that game being the Saturday of Thanksgiving, and, and I hate that those rivalry games are that weekend. The students are off campus. Uh, everybody's away. You know, everybody. You know, there's people travel. You travel to your in-laws. Really, you know, champagnes in the. In the middle of the state, it's it's a couple hours from Chicago, uh, so everybody's home or everybody's driven somewhere for 
Thanksgiving, and they really don't want to drive down to Champaign. And we see it with IU, too. Uh, and we'll tie that back in into a little bit. But, you know, yeah, Illinois moving into Chicago, their uh, motto is, you know, our state, our team, or something along those lines. And, and Northwestern's uh, motto is, you know, Chicago is Big Ten team. Yeah, so there's definitely a rivalry there going for that fan base. There's, there's a ton of Illini uh, alumni in uh, in Chicago. So I think the attendance at the game would be better. But, you know, I, call me an old soul or whatever, but I like these games played on campus, I, you know, with the band and tailgating. And I, I've never been to a game at Soldier Field, but uh, I've been to games in Champaign. That stadium has a ton of history. Uh, it's, you know, it's quirky. It's got, you know, it's been there forever. And, and some great players have played there. So, you know, I like the games on campus. I'd like to see them move that rivalry weekend back to the Saturday before Thanksgiving and try and get more students to the game. So, I think it, it seems like a money grab to me. Yeah, I'm generally with you. Um, I definitely agree that the rivalry games being that weekend of Thanksgiving doesn't make a whole lot of sense for for schools like Ohio State and Michigan. It doesn't matter. People don't care when that game is. They're going to be there. And uh, for attendance, it doesn't really matter who those schools are playing. They're, they're still selling out either way. But particularly for schools like Indiana, like Illinois, uh, like Northwestern, Purdue, um, who they are playing matters for attendance and having those games where the students aren't there on campus, where it's difficult for people to plan on being there. Uh, I think it, I think it hurts attendance, which um, is a major, uh, I think it, it hurts for me to see a half empty Memorial stadium for the bucket game or, uh, you know, a, a half-empty ross Aid Stadium for the bucket game. Uh, I I know that both of those teams have struggled, but I think that that game should still be a sellout. Um, and having it the weekend of Thanksgiving hurts attendance. But as it relates to IU, I know that um, you mentioned that you'd heard a rumor uh, that was you know far out and no, it was not substantiated. We're not reporting anything, but that Purdue uh, would be open to moving the bucket game to Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, I would be 100% against that, as you said, uh, and I'm with you. I don't know if it's an old-school mentality or what, but I think that college games should be played on college campuses. Um, I don't want to see Indiana give up any home games to play in Indianapolis. I don't want to attempt to become... Indianapolis's Big Ten team, um, just on a basketball side, I've heard people talk about, well, IU should play three or four home games a year at Banker's Life. I think that's a terrible idea. Uh, Indiana University is in Bloomington, and I think their home game should be in Bloomington. Um, so I, I'd be totally against moving the bucket game from its current setup, and I, I think for the rivalry to get more attention, it's pretty simple. Both teams need to be better. 
that's the bottom line uh, for getting the IU's attendance up and Purdue's attendance up, is that if these teams, you know, I'll go back to the 2007 game uh, where both teams ended up going to a bowl. Uh, mm-hmm. Memorial Stadium was, was packed. It was a 3.30 game. Uh, you know, there was IU and Purdue fans there, and the place was just rocking. And there was a buzz around campus all week. So, yeah, if both teams come into the game with, you know, five or six wins or there's something on the line other than the bucket, even though the bucket's a great trophy, I love the rivalry between IU and Purdue, but the stakes get a little bit higher when there's a postseason berth on the line. Uh, You know, they probably won't be playing for a division championship uh, often, if ever, uh, just because some crazy things have to happen in order for that to happen. But you know, that game, and I'll, I'll compare it to this, this year's game, there were, you know, the Purdue band didn't even go. They had, you know, some, they had like a, a skeleton band, if you want to call it that, uh, like a skeleton crew uh, on a work crew. Uh, the cheerleaders were coming from, you know, all over the state. So, you know, having it Thanksgiving weekend really, you know, Everybody's coming in from everywhere, and it's not an official uh, event, I think, uh, for for their band and the cheerleaders and all that stuff. And that's what college sports is. The college sports are the band, the cheerleader, the backstocks, the rivalry, the, the tailgating. You know, and, and the game, it, it's not really secondary, but the game, it, they all interweave together. So I think if you move it to Indianapolis, you know, yeah, it, it's – more accessible to people uh, than than say Bloomington, uh, West Lafayette's on 65, I believe, and it's pretty accessible. But Bloomington, there's mm-hmm. no interstate going down there. You know, people, it's 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 a long day of traveling to go down to Bloomington. Usually, traffic if you go later in the day. So you know, moving into Indianapolis, well. I don't like it. it. It could make sense down in the future. I hope they don't go that way. Uh, but, you know, it's it's a business now. College football has become a, a big-time business, and I think these neutral site games are, are sl- slowly sucking the soul out of it. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I know that the, the, only, um, the only neutral site game that I am kind of a fan of every year is the, the – Chick-fil-A kickoff classic that usually has two really good teams. It's uh, usually in Atlanta. Um, I, I like watching that, but I know that the fan bases of the teams that are in that are not real big that one of their non-conference home games is, you know, who knows how many hours from campus. Um, you know, if you have a, I think last year it was LSU, Wisconsin. Um so that's one of Wisconsin's home games that isn't there, and you lose one of those Saturdays in Madison that is really big for that local economy. It's really it's considered one of the best college atmospheres, one of the best college towns, and that's one less Saturday that you have that that year. Um, I like it every yeah. year. I like watching it, but as a as a fan of those teams, I don't I don't know that the fan bases really get all that much out of playing at a neutral site. So I think we're both on the yeah. on the same track there. there, there are, you, you said, you know, there, there are a couple neutral site games that I love. Um, 
you know, the the kickoff classics and all of that, I still would rather have those on campus. I think Wisconsin was supposed to play at LSU this year, and they moved the game. Um, and then they're playing up at Lambeau in a couple of years, which should be that, – that should be a great atmosphere. But you're taking away a game from, from Madison. But, like, Florida and Georgia, that's played in Jacksonville every year. And mm-hmm. those two campuses are close enough where they descend on Jacksonville. They're, like, crazy down there. Um, they, they used to call it the largest outdoor cocktail party. I think that's that label is frowned upon uh, because it stole something from the game. But those – that game's a uh, very heated rivalry, and, and people love going to that. Where, you know, these games, Wisconsin and LSU, it's an expensive trip for LSU fans to just fly up to uh, Wisconsin. The game's in Green Bay, so I don't know. I doubt there is a direct flight from New Orleans to Green Bay. You probably have to connect through Milwaukee or some, some craziness, and, and it's a, a, a schlep for. Wisconsin fans to go down to, to Dallas or Houston uh, for that game last year. So, you know, you're taking the game away from these fans. You're not making it affordable. And let's not forget the players' parents. And this was a big deal coming up in the college football playoffs, is that the players' parents have to travel and pay for these things too. And some of them, you know, can't afford to travel every week or go book hotels and food uh, for these big games. So, you know, it's. I think it's really, really hurting uh, college football a little bit with these non-conference games, with with these, uh, you know, neutral site games. Yeah, I would agree, and I think we're unfortunately going to see more and more of them as kind of the high-profile schools are attempting to beef up their non-conference schedules uh, for the college football playoff. Um, I think you're going to see more of these kind of one-year agreements where teams are playing in the you know, nowhere near each other's campuses, and I, you know they're fun to watch on TV. But I'd, I'd rather just watch them within their college atmosphere. But uh, yeah, I think Northwestern Illinois, or at least Illinois, making this move will be interesting to watch uh, to see whether or not it's successful on a annual basis, or if that was just a kind of a one-time thing where they made a lot of money for that Washington game, and then as it goes on, people are kind of, well, been there, done that. I don't need to go again. We'll see. Yeah, well, we'll end these uh, neutral site games uh, for the rivalry games, especially the one in Chicago, which is, I think the Northwestern is 15 miles or so from the state of if Illinois goes 0-3 in these games, it, it it still comes down to winning games. If Northwestern fills up half sure. the stadium or a third of the stadium and Illinois loses all three games, I could see them just saying, eh, let's play these games at home. Because I really think the uh, wins are important. And that's mm-hmm. how you build a program, is you get to that magic number of six wins, you get the ball games, and you get your recruiting classes up. And, you know, Putting these home games in Chicago, sure, you might be closer to alumni. Some of your players might be closer to home. Uh, but it all comes down to the win. And, and, you know, it's not a home game. It's You're still traveling. You're staying in a hotel. Things are different. Um, so, you know, if they don't get that W, I see them scrapping this idea. And, and this works out wonderful for Northwestern. Basically, they could stay in the same routine uh, you know, all basically they just call the 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 coin 
the uh, coin toss and a, and a couple more Illini fans are probably there. You know, it, it works out the best for them. If I'm Pat Fitzgerald, I'm not complaining about this at all. Right. All right. Uh, let's transition into uh, talking about where IU, uh, the expectations should fall in the next four to five years. Um, you know, I was looking up basically where expectations should be and looking up wins and losses, all-time records. Indiana sits at the losing its program in college football history. They have 651 losses, which is the most losses ever in uh, FBS. Northwestern is at 649, but, you know, it's 651. The tradition is not there in terms of winning. Uh, Indiana has, you know, they've got the nine bowl games in 127 years of playing football. So what are realistic expectations for the Hoosiers? Well, um, I think the first thing that I looked at when I was uh, trying to figure out where I thought Indiana fit was who are the other programs we're going up against in the West Division. Um, And it's, well, it's kind of depressing. Um, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, those are three perennial powers, and Michigan State is turning into that. Um, I think that it's safe to say that those four programs are a cut above Indiana, and I don't think that fans should expect within the next four to five years to routinely compete at those schools' levels. Um, after that, you have Maryland and Rutgers. Now, I I kind of placed Indiana fifth over the next four to five years in the West Division. That's being a little bit optimistic, but my rationale, um, you know, Maryland, I'll, I'll begin last season, seven, seven, four, and two games. Those are their wins over the last four years. Um, Randy Edsel is their head coach. I'd say probably the best label for him is decent. I don't think that you are going to get to a level higher than what Maryland currently is under Edsel. Um, yeah, you look at recruiting rankings, they're right around where IU is. Uh, they've got a little bit more of a difficult non-conference schedule than Indiana has. Uh, just looking at their next two or three years, they have a series with West Virginia. Um, they're in Morgantown next year. But for me, the big tiebreaker between the two programs was I think Indiana has a better coaching staff. I think Kevin Wilson is a better coach than Randy Edsel, and I, I'm pretty fond of IU's current crop of uh, coordinators and assistants. I think that IU has the a little bit brighter future because I just don't think that Randy Edsel is going to be in Maryland very much longer, and when they kind of hit the reset button, I look at Indiana's continuity taking them above what Maryland is. Then the other program in the division is Rutgers. Um, you know, again, Kyle Flood, it's decent. Um, they were really rolling under Greg Schiano. Schiano left to go to Tampa Bay, and Flood went nine and four in his first year, which is in the Big East. Six and seven in the American Athletic Conference in his second year, and then they went seven and five last year. So uh, six and seven in the AAC, and then seven and five in the Big Ten. I thought that they, then Maryland and IU, were kind of on that 
Uh, I think that they'll be right there on that same level, competing for a bowl game every season. Um, I think that I use past the time where they're just going to win one or two games a season. Uh, I think that as long as Kevin Wilson's here, I use going to be consistently competitive. Uh, I My expectation would be Indiana is competing at five, six, seven wins every year, and then occasionally having that year where everything clicks and they win eight or nine games and end up in a New Year's Day Bowl. So I guess you're kind of ranking the division. I would say that they're clearly behind Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and Michigan State as long as those current coaches are there. Um, And I I think that they're ahead of Maryland and Rutgers just based on what the recruiting rankings currently are, what I think the coaching staff's abilities to turn those recruits into players on the field. And I put Indiana just barely ahead of Maryland and Rutgers. Um, So I've got them kind of fifth there, just competing for a bowl game every season, going to a bowl game most seasons. That's what I see IU's level at in these next four to five seasons. Yeah, you know, my expectations for IU, um, I'll put on my fan hat now instead of the the writer hat. My expectations are there's no reason IU can't be Iowa. And what I mean by that is that Iowa is consistently around the five to eight win mark. You know, IU should or Indiana should get to to bowl games uh, three, you know, two two out of every three, three out of every four years. You know, there'll always be that one year dip where you have to you know rebuild or reload classes. Um, but I think they they should be past the rebuilding era. Um, this year is very important. Uh, if Kevin Wilson doesn't go to bowl game, I think, you know, it, it, it's year five. He's had his guys in. Yeah, last year they lost Nate Sudfeld, and it, it kind of the wheels fell off the wagon there. But, you know, a bowl game this year is a must uh, in order to go forward. If you're five straight seasons instead of bowl under one coach, you know, then you start. Then you have to start questioning: Is this the the right guy for the program? Are we just, you know, have we stalled out at at four and five wins a year? Uh, what's the next step? Now you can't just say, "Oh, you know, he'll get it done. He'll get it done," and just sit and idle for for two more years. Uh, but in that regard, I think Kevin Wilson has done a great job uh, recruiting. I think his talent is so much better. I think the schedule this year. Plays out uh, much better for him, uh, non-conference-wise. They could very easily go. Well, not very easily, because uh, I don't like to use very easily. But they could go four and zero. It's realistic. Uh, you know, their lone road game on, on non-conference is Wake Forest, who was atrocious last year. Uh, and and you know that atmosphere shouldn't be as difficult as playing you know on the road in the Big Ten. So. You know, if you go four and zero non-conference, that means you only need two conference wins. You're playing at Purdue, which you know is always a scary game just because it's a rivalry. Uh, and Purdue's lost two in a row, but then you get you know you get Rutgers at home. They lose their starting quarterback. Uh, their offense coordinator Ralph Breachin is gone, so there's some turnover. You have Maryland on the road, or Maryland, yeah, Maryland on the road, which should be a winnable game. Um, you know they're not 
great, but you are you are on the road. But there's two two or three Big Ten wins there. I was at home. They're you know they're a different team when they play on the road. So I think six wins should be the expectation next year. Uh, I, I will call it a make or break year. If you're five years in and you can't get to a bowl game, you start have to you know think of Plan B or whatever Plan Z, uh, whatever Plan IU is on. Uh, but you know the expectation should be you know, let's get to that where we were with Mallory. You know, there's you're not going to be Ohio State, you're not going to be Michigan, um, and you're not going to be Penn State. But you could be you could beat those teams you know once or twice a decade. Don't you know we can't go, IU can't go, thirty years without beating one of these teams again. And I think mm-hmm. they've beaten Michigan once since the '60s. Ohio State, they the last time they won was in the late '80s. Uh, we got to start. Uh, they got to start winning these games once every couple of years. You know, if it turns out yeah. to be once a decade, okay. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And then the the Bill Mallory um, kind of hope is, I think, uh, a very realistic one. Um, you know, those teams were not phenomenal, but they were certainly respectable. Um, it was a solid program under Bill Mallory for the most part. And I think the one thing that is working in Kevin Wilson's favor is Indiana high school football is much better under this, while Kevin Wilson is the coach, than when Bill Mallory was the coach. There are so many more prospects, Division One prospects now, than there were during Bill Mallory's time as head coach. So you have that in-home recruiting base that IU is focusing on. Uh, you're not going to get every prospect from the state of Indiana, but you should be able to get you know, four to five solid Division One players every year from your state, and that's a good foundation to start with. So I, I certainly think that that's an apt comparison um, or an apt hope. And then you know, talking about no reason Indiana can't be Iowa, you're right. Um, you know, Kirk Ferentz has been sleepwalking for the past four or five seasons and just, you know, cashing them checks. They play boring, conservative football, but they do tend to get six, seven, eight wins every season just because they're good enough. And there's no reason that Indiana can't step up there. Well, I won't say there's no reason. The reason would be that the West Division is really, really hard. There's a lot of really good teams you're going to have to play every season. But I do think that Maryland is beatable. I think that Rutgers is beatable. I think that Michigan State could be beatable if you get them in the right situation, uh, if you play a really good game. And who knows how long Mark D'Antonio is going to coach there. But uh, you you look at your East crossover division, you play two of those teams every year. That division is just not good. I mean, they're – that it's a really bad division. You have Wisconsin, kind of the de facto leader of it, but my gosh, I I would feel so much better about IU's future if they were in the East Division, but they're not. So, And as we talked about, the West, being in the West could be a benefit for IU's recruiting because you get to say, hey, come play in this really competitive division, play against these great teams every year. So that could be an advantage. But, yeah, I think you make some really good points about what IU – uh, could be, and I think the expectations for IU fans should be that 
this season should be let's make a bowl game, and in the four to five seasons coming up, let's routinely win six, seven games a season, make bowl games. Every once in a while, we're going to have a rebuilding year, and every once in a while, we're going to step up, knock off one of these marquee programs, win eight or nine games, and who knows, maybe make a bowl like the the Citrus Bowl or the Peach Bowl or something like that. Um, yep and play on New Year's Day. But I, I, I think that that's a, a reasonable thing to hope for if you're an IU fan. Well, TJ, thank you for joining us today. Um, you, you did get the divisions mixed up. I use in the East. I was in the West. Uh, oh, at least yeah. not legends and leaders anymore. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the East is much more difficult. But we're going to get you out. Uh, now we're going to – you can follow TJ on Twitter at – uh, TJ Hoosier Huddle. He writes terrific pieces. Check out his pieces on the site. Um, you can follow Hoosier Huddle on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the Hoosier Huddle. Uh, we're also on Twitter uh, at Hoosier underscore Huddle. Uh, you can follow uh, the show on Blog Talk Radio. Just go on the website. You click Blog Talk Radio, and there's a follow button there. Anyway, TJ, thanks for coming on today. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed talking football with you and we'll be back next week at noon uh, we'll have some more news whatever comes up and uh, we'll hopefully take some questions from some fans yep my pleasure thanks for having me on and we'll uh, talk next week alright thank you alright thanks for listening and we'll be back on next week at noon and uh, you know, have a, a pleasant evening and we'll see you next week <laughs>